Hello, and welcome back to the Rebel Mama Hotline. Thanks so much for coming back to join us. Today we have a very special episode of the Hotline for you, and we know we say that a lot, but seriously, this episode is very special. Yes, it's the first time we've ever recorded together in real life, first of all, because we started the podcast in a pandemic, and today we are joined by a special guest and the first official male guest on the Hotline, Mr. Stephen Del Duca. That's right. Stephen Del Duca is the Liberal candidate for Premier, vying to dethrone incumbent Doug Ford. And he's agreed to hop on and answer our questions about our main concerns as parents and citizens of Ontario. Let's get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Hi, Stephen. <laughs> Hi. We haven't asked if we can call him Oh, that sorry. Yet. Can we call you Stephen? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. It's got to be Stephen, though. Otherwise, okay. my mom gets upset. People okay, call perfect. me Steve. Okay, so. not Steve. Yeah, not Stephen. Stephen. Thank yeah. you so much for coming here and joining us today. We really appreciate it, my Stephen. My pleasure. Oh, well, you made it sound like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Maybe a brief overview of for your sure. life prior to politics and outside of politics and <laughs> yeah. then a snapshot of what's going on now. Well, for sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So first of all, thank you for this opportunity. It's great great to be here with you. And I'm you know, the leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, of course, running to be premier. But I always tell people the most important job I have, most important job I'm ever going to have is being a dad to two young daughters that my wife and I are raising. Older daughter Talia is uh, 15 or soon to be 15. And our younger daughter is 11, grade nine and grade five. And uh, you know, doing everything I can the way that my parents did for me and my brothers and my sister for them uh, is the most important thing that I get the chance to work on day in, day out. Uh, I did serve as an MPP before. I did spend some time before becoming an elected official working for a labor union. And uh, I'm just, you know, I tell people I'm just like someone, you know, your neighbors. Uh, my wife and I live out in Woodbridge in a great community where I've now lived for more than 30 years. We moved up there when I was uh, in 15 or so years old and get to go out and do the grocery shopping every single Saturday morning. Our daughters in dance, both of them, they actually have their recitals this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, just spending time with them and, and being their dad and at the same time as running to be premier. And helping <laughs> no to build big this deal. Up. Going. <laughs> so I, I'm having a ton of fun. Like it's such a great experience to be all over Ontario talking to people in this province. And you know, Ontarians are such an exceptional people, like strong and resilient, yes. but Past two years have been tough. People are people need help. People are struggling struggling a bit. So yeah. our plan, our team, we're talking about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen that in our own household, in our own family. Uh, you know, kids, for example, forced to learn through screens, yeah. isolated from friends. Like it's been tough. Yeah. And I think anybody who wants to pretend that people aren't struggling is is missing a real opportunity to build the province up and to build Ontarians up, which is what we're doing, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Agreed. Well, you mentioned your daughters, yeah. so maybe you can tell us how the pandemic has impacted you as a working father, because yeah. that's a big deal. And has it shifted your political priorities at all? Well, the first thing is, you know, I won the leadership of the party on Saturday, March 7th, 2020. Great so, timing. Like, hey, timing is everything, right? Like everything. <laughs> so I won it on the Saturday. The Sunday was just sort of cleaning things up, being at home with the girls and with Utilia, my wife. And then on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I went to Windsor, Ottawa and Thunder Bay. By the time we came home, flew home Wednesday night, uh, it was pretty clear something very serious was about to occur. Then I can remember that they announced uh, that March break, which was supposed to start the following week, would be extended by one week. I mean, like, who knew that our schools would be closed more to in-person learning than open for the next yeah. 
I don't even remember how many months. You're taking so, us down memory lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, exactly. oh, like PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. PTSD. <laughs> yeah. And so then the first lockdown. And so my wife's been running her own business from home for about six, seven years now. So mm -hmm. the joke that we tell is that for her, it didn't really change much. The house just got a lot louder yeah. because yeah. the girls were there. I was home doing all my meetings as a brand new leader through a computer screen. Oh my God. We also have two dogs and you know, with all of us at home, Sounds they- Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a <laughs> bit like noisy, it was a bit noisy. <laughs> um, but for our girls, it was, you know, at first when you're when you're young and you're in school and you're told your March break is extended by a week, that actually sounds pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that's awesome. But over time, especially for our younger daughter, because she was in grade four at the time, yeah. trying to learn through a screen when nobody had their videos on or their cameras on, um, trying to get through the lessons on a regular basis. So, so tough. I mean, the teachers must have had it. They did. I've spoken yeah. to them yeah. a horrible time. Yeah. Um, but the kids just being isolated was was really, really tough. And we even right. noticed a few behavioral changes, mm -hmm. uh, especially in our younger daughter, like needing a light on at night to go to sleep, which had never been the case before, uh, and staying up even later than she would ordinarily have stayed up. So you just notice those little things. And we're in a pretty privileged family, like a pretty privileged household. There are thousands and thousands of Ontario families who are in much, much, much worse shape. So. Tough, yeah, the really stories tough. were heartbreaking that were yeah. coming out of that yeah. for sure. We relate to your wife though, as the like, we've been working from yeah. home for seven yeah. years yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were like, ah, everybody we're join like, us. why is everyone here at our dining room table? This is my office. Yeah. <laughs> we can empathize with yeah. her for sure. Um, so right now we're focused on this idea of the village and how we can help others and be the village for them and then encourage others to do the same for, for other people in their right. community. So how does the Liberal government plan to be the village for Ontarians? Yeah. Please tell us. <laughs> well, look, I think, I think what I mentioned just a moment ago, when I, when I look at the other leaders, in particular Doug Ford and the way he's talking, it's like, he, it's like he, he wants to kind of pretend the last two years didn't happen. Like there's really not much of anything in their plan that talks about how we're gonna deal with the learning recovery in our schools yeah. or talks about how we're really gonna deal with the surgical and diagnostic backlog that we have mm -hmm. in our healthcare system. A million Ontarians right now that are either waiting for surgery or for something like an MRI or a CT, CT scan. Uh, you know, I think about that, I think about the mental health challenges that young people and mm -hmm. all others are facing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, not, it's not good enough to simply pretend that everything is fine, that everyone's okay. Um, again, I, I think Ontarians are very strong and resilient. I think that's how we've endured so many challenges through the years. But you need a government that shows up and you need leadership that shows up and recognizes where the help is needed and then delivers on that help. Yeah. And that's like right at the core of everything that's in our plan. Yeah. So on education, on healthcare, on sustainability in the environment, on economic dignity. You know, I always tell people that what I learned from my grandparents and my parents is that each generation has a responsibility to honor the legacy of those who came before, mm -hmm. their sacrifice, their dedication, and then set the next generation up for success. Like that to me is the, that's the thread that, yeah. that makes Ontario the really magical place that it is. So to your point about the village, yeah. how do you do that? Well, you do that by making the right investments. Economic dignity is something I talk an awful lot about. Mm -hmm. Making the right kind of investments to, to actually prop people up and give them that floor of support that they can stand on really firmly and be at their very best. And right now that's missing. Yeah, and so I feel it, it, you know, it literally is the reason I got back into politics and the reason that I'm, I'm in this race. Amazing. Okay. So 
As you know, the past two years have been very difficult yeah. for working parents, specifically working yeah, mothers, absolutely. who have really borne the brunt of job losses. They've had to take time off to care for their families. We are burnt out. We are exhausted. Yeah. We are every other buzzword that you could think of that's running around yeah. the internet right now. So what concrete plans does a Liberal Party have to really support working mothers specifically yeah, in for the next sure. couple of years? Well, again, like, you know, I... I bringing it back home for a quick second. Yeah, I mentioned that my wife, Utilia, has been running her own business for almost seven years now. It's really successful. She's doing great. But given the work that I'm doing, you know, and, and we help each other to yeah. the best that we, best of our ability. We have a lot of support, our family and our friends who are there, even through COVID, to help kind of back us up. Uh, but again, there are tons of families in this province that don't have that support yeah. or don't have, you know, uh, the privilege, if I can put it that way, or aren't in finan a financially strong a spot and and they they are the ones who literally need that that floor of support that I talked about a moment ago so I think about early learning and childcare yes. as one of the greatest places where so much could have already been accomplished in Ontario mm -hmm. except I mean except isn't it, it disgraceful yeah isn't it but isn't it disgraceful <laughs> we'll not get into that right now but yeah. really but really quickly I will for a second because to me it's disgraceful it that is. this province yeah. that should be a leader uh, we were the last province in, to get an, an agreement in place with the federal government so many months after it was offered, it was on the table. So we put out a plan, Ontario Liberals did in May of 2021. We call it Care for Every Child, where we would we would take that federal investment, deliver $10 a day a licensed childcare by the end of 2024, which is a really ambitious time frame, mm -hmm. but it's because it's so necessary. Yes. But we also added in some other elements that I think would go right to what you're speaking about. Let's hear them. Uh, so, well, yeah, so $10 a day before and after school care. Yes. So, you know, like in my, oh my community, God. there are so thousands necessary. of families that use that care, that yes. use that service, if I can put it that way. But, you know, the average cost of before and after school care right now is about $25, $26 a day. Mm -hmm. Ontario Liberals will bring that down to $10, which when you think about the affordability crisis that we're in right now, that's going to save, you know, an everyday Ontario family more than $2,000 per child per year. Yeah. I mean, and we're going to do it within the first 100 days of taking office. So we're not going to wait four years. We're not going to pretend that a yeah, press release is the progress. Like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. parentally. <laughs> parentally. We're going yeah. to extend it to 18 months. I mean, 18 yeah. months already exists, yes. but we're going to make sure there's a top up in place. Because right now, when you take the full 18 months, once you get your benefits from EI are basically mm -hmm. equalized over 18 months yes. rather than 12. So you lose money. Yeah. So the Ontario Liberal plan will top that up. So that if you choose to stay home for the full 18 months to give your child the greatest start in life, you won't have any financial loss at all. We're gonna make sure that you're kept whole so that you're not even inadvertently discouraged from being there for, well, for your child, for your newborn. Yeah. So those are a couple of examples of how we would we would kind of go right at this challenge that we're facing. Yeah, that's great. Cause moms really do need like yeah. the time yeah. to get back yeah. into the workforce yeah. and- The support and the yeah. tools, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. From day one, though, again, like this, yeah. some of the, the current guys, they kind of waited two years, four years, yes. talking a good it's game. It's a lot of waiting. Yeah. That's the thing. So now we need to see things like yeah. happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about healthcare. Um, we've been deeply concerned about the treatment of nurses and other yeah. healthcare practitioners yeah. in the last two years in the province. So how do you plan to both retain and recruit healthcare workers and strengthen the healthcare system? Yeah, well, I think you're right to be concerned. You yeah. know, if you have a conversation with a nurse or a personal support worker uh, in any place in the province, like they're burnt out. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the they're beyond fatigue. Yeah, they're like course. done with it. Yeah, they're, they're their own mental off. health is yeah. completely being destabilized. Yeah. And you know, before the pandemic, 
the Ford conservatives used their majority in the legislature to ram through legislation called Bill 124. 124. Think about that for a second. They basically said only certain categories of public sector workers. Yes. By the way, disproportionately women. Yeah. Like greater, you know, yeah. a higher number of women in some of the affected professions, like nurses and PSWs. Yeah. Uh, that you wouldn't be able to bargain openly, freely, and fairly. That you'd be capped, one yeah. percent, and you can't even go and negotiate for better benefits. Yeah. Like none of it. Yeah. And then we hit we hit the pandemic and every day, you know, we all call them heroes and they are legitimately heroes and nothing, no movement. Okay, but that was the thing. People were just like everyone was just clapping for them but nobody was actually That's doing correct. anything to That's help right. and yeah. support them. And so that legislation has to be repealed. I've said it would be my first legislative Amazing. priority yeah. as premier. We would get that legislation out back into free and fair collective bargaining. Just imagine for a second, cost of everything going up, inflation at six, seven percent and they're capped at 1% while yeah. they're being burned out. Yeah. So number one is they have to be, they have to have the chance to bargain openly, freely and fairly. Yeah. You can't just say they're valued and respected. Yeah. You actually have to demonstrate that through your actions, your deeds, Absolutely. not just the yeah. words. I think it's also really important to encourage more to go into the profession by helping to support. So for example, what we've said is that if you wanna go in to become a nurse or to become a medical or a healthcare worker, uh, we would actually waive your tuition, for example, if you're prepared to go work in a rural or remote community in this province for a length of time. Because when I'm in Northern Ontario, as one example, no doctors, few mm -hmm. nurses, really mm -hmm. tough there. So there's some other measures we can, we can build into helping bring more people into those professions. We have about 15,000 internationally educated nurses living in Ontario right now, and they can't get their credentials recognized. So they're being trained in other, part of the, other parts of the world and they're sitting up in the bleachers Crazy. instead of down on the field where we need them to be right. helping support us in our public health care system. In fact, one of our candidates up in York Region, uh, Marjan Casterloo, was an inter internationally educated registered nurse. She's talked to me directly about how difficult and complex that process for certification was. Mm -hmm. She got it done, but it took years. Yeah. We, we don't have time. Yeah. Like we need that talent on the field helping us in our public health care system. So these are some of the initiatives okay, that, that we would pursue. Happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just, it's so important. That's like the foundation of our province. Yeah. Like we can't, I can't be worried that if my kid breaks yeah. his arm, yeah. we're not gonna have the proper and our help. And aging the, parents and everything yeah, else along education, the way. But also the they're just foundations. like, yeah. 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 So public we, though, public health care and education. Yeah, exactly, right. yeah, not, not private, please. Um, <laughs> So a lot of us are caring for both children yeah. and aging parents. So that includes us. Yes. Um, the issue of long-term care is becoming increasingly important. Um, how are you planning to address the issue of our aging population and their need for proper care yeah. and housing? Yeah, so I tell the story that, you know, my mom and dad are 80 and 83, and they live just a few minutes from where, where we live in Woodbridge. Mm -hmm. And I tell, and I, you know, I try to visit regularly. I was there yesterday. I, I don't, not seeing them as much during the campaign as I ordinarily would, but. I tell people, if I showed up at my parents' house and I said, Mom, Dad, if you elect me as premier, I'm gonna guarantee that you get the nicest nursing home to move into, they would look at me, they would kick me out of the house, they'd change <laughs> they the locks, I'd never be invited back for Sunday dinner. Like, Italians never. don't yeah. stand never, for that. Right? No. They're like, you're in Woodbridge. Well, but, but think about the, our parents and grandparents. Like, yeah. they've worked their they whole lives. Absolutely. They've sacrificed, they've, they've been dedicated. Mm -hmm. Like, they've literally built the province for us. And, and the best that we have been able to do as a society is to say, we're not really gonna help you stay at home in any meaningful way. And when, it, when push comes to shove and you need a certain level of care, we're gonna stack you in a warehouse-like uh, institution and you're yes. gonna be kind of out of sight, out of mind. And you're gonna pay through the nose to make 
shareholder profit grow mm -hmm. for private for-profit long-term care. It is such a dysfunctional. It's so undignified. It is too, undignified. Like, it's a great way yeah, to describe it. Yeah. So in our plan, we say, number one, it's a home care first guarantee. Amazing. You know, so we'll invest $4.4 billion over four years. That means that 400,000 additional Ontario seniors will be able to access home care. But, you know, people talk about home care all the time, and then it's still a very complex mm -hmm. system to navigate. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make it, I'll say, user-friendly, you know, mm -hmm. navigation, set, uh, checkpoints, if I can put it that way, a concierge service to help you get through the system. Oh my God. And maybe that's yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, that's like, that would be yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's so helpful. Well, my mom fell and broke her hip a few years ago. And when she came home after rehab, and she's in great shape now, thank goodness, but trying to figure out what care she was yeah. able to access for us was really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have a language barrier in our family, thank goodness. Like we're able to talk right. to Can people, but imagine? we still couldn't figure it yeah. out. So imagine if you're a newcomer to the province or, or you know, you're from a, you know, a, in any event, it shouldn't be that tough. Yeah. And we're talking about care, like maybe it's help taking a shower or making a meal or just a friendly face to have a conversation with. So home care first guarantee, but then we also have to provide a major revolution in how we do deal with long-term care. Because look, there will always be some seniors, maybe they don't have family to help them. Maybe yeah. there is a level of care that they need that mm -hmm. they can't get in their own home. So they need some kind of, I'll call it long-term care. Yeah. Number one, it cannot be driven by profit. So we've committed to ending for-profit long-term care by 2028 in the province. And secondly, if you need to go into a long-term care home, it can't look like a warehouse or an institution oh God, no. it has to look like a home yeah, yeah. and so it has to feel good. feel like a home yeah. right so yeah. a house even like you know yeah. even like my own home or just an average everyday home four six eight seniors living together personal support workers nurses on staff that's better for infection prevention and control which has mm -hmm. been a real problem during the pandemic it's better for the seniors mental health if they have a front porch and a back garden yeah like it actually feels like a home and they do this in other parts of the world you know, yes. so we should be able to do it here. And that's one of the other big commitments that I'm really proud that we've yeah. made. I like that because it kind of creates an environment where the family can visit because that's, right. that's yeah. such an important and thing for aging like people. Yeah. yeah, you want them to be able to have yeah. connection with their grandkids and yeah. grandkids are terrified of long-term care homes yeah. as they yeah. should I mean, be. It's just not very welcoming <laughs> yeah. as yeah. it stands. Yeah. yeah. I actually feel it was really close to all four of my grandparents growing up, but like one of the greatest blessings I had was knowing them all and being around them a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think I think back to what they did for me and, and did for my parents as well, of course. And it's like I feel an obligation to honor what they did and the rest of our parents and grandparents have done yeah, by actually yeah. getting this right. And there's yeah. a way to do it. It just requires the political will. Yeah, I feel very much the same way yeah. about elders and our yeah. we need to really respect yeah. the elders and we can society. look to to those other That's examples right. already that are already working and yeah. are already successful yeah. and they're proven right don't so. have to reinvent the wheel exactly right? just, let's yeah. just bring it here we're <laughs> yeah. down for that scandinavian vibe okay so from that generation to the little ones yeah education <clears throat> yeah the past few years have been horrific as you well know yeah. having kids yourself um, there's been a lack of funding, a general lack of support for teachers, as well as just the public education system as a whole. So any specific plans <laughs> to support families and staff in public education? For sure. I mean, this one's really important to me personally. Me too. Uh, and it's a significant problem Same. because, yeah, for all of us, and the two million kids in our publicly funded yeah. schools and their families and the frontline workers, that's why we're going to put a hard cap on class sizes. So 20 kids, elementary and secondary, so teachers can actually get back into a connecting with their kids, connecting with the students. Mm -hmm. We have a massive state of disrepair in our schools. So Ontario Liberals 
are going to kill Highway 413 once and for all that Doug Ford wants to build for his buddies, not for any of us. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take that money and invest it in our schools, the physical state of our schools. So the windows will be open, able to open and close. Air ventilation systems will be modern. So what our kids and teachers are breathing is healthy. Yeah. The water will be safe to drink. 5,000 new special education professionals, 1,000 new mental health professionals. And we're going to modernize EQAO to make sure that it actually reflects the learning loss that we have. Lastly, mandatory online learning that these guys, the Ford conservatives have doubled down on, even with the lessons learned during COVID, we're getting rid of it from a mandatory perspective. It's gonna be optional still, but we're also gonna bring back an optional grade 13. So kids mm. who need that extra oh, time, like that's my older daughter's in high I school. I think I went to grade 13. We called it OAC when I was in school. Yeah, OAC, grade 13, right? OAC, yeah, the yeah. fifth year. <laughs> now you're right. There wow, we go. I'm right? aging myself. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But we're going to bring it back and we're going to fund it properly and make it structured. So if you're in high school and you've got some learning loss, yeah. you've got that time and support to catch your breath, think about your own future before you go on to the next stage. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, so great. how are we funding this? We're yeah. funding this by getting <laughs> yeah, We're spending a lot of money. Yeah. We are, we're we investing a lot of money. Because yes, it is about priorities right. and the values that are below those priorities. Yes. So for the state of good repair, we're going to cancel the highway $10 billion over five years okay. to make sure our schools are physically modern. But everything else we invest in in public education, and by the way, the rest of our plan, it's fully costed. It's really, really important that I think in the most transparent way, Ontarians get to see what we plan to invest, yes. how we do it, over what time frame. And so what I've said is, in a very responsible and competent way, we expect to be back at balance uh, fiscally as a province by the budget of 2026-2027, that fiscal year. We expect that we will. We built in a lot of contingencies to our plan to make sure we can absorb any other challenges we face. But at the end of the day, as Premier, if I have to choose between our kids, mm -hmm. our healthcare system, our parents and grandparents, our environment, and just getting back to a budget that's balanced, I'm gonna choose the people of Ontario every day of the week in healthcare, in education, in seniors care, on economic dignity. We are being responsible. It's all there for all of you to see, but my job as Premier is to support the people that I'm supposed to be representing, and mm -hmm. that's what I'll do. We'd love to share that one day too, the numbers. Send yeah. us the numbers one yeah. day and we'll Done. share that with everyone. I can talk about the numbers all the time. <laughs> we all love the time. transparency, it's, yeah. our, it's our thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we're running out of time, uh -oh. so we have some rapid-fire questions okay. for you. Yes or no. Yes or no. You want to take a deep breath? We won't throw any curveballs in no. there about your personal life. No. <laughs> or how I've done my hair today yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. No, and some of these you've kind of covered before, but we'll just oh. run through them really quickly. <clears throat> Repealing Bill Bill 124. Yes. Yes. Permanent paid sick leave. Yes. Virtual school. No. Not Thank mandatory. <laughs> four-day work week. Yes. Oh. You got to take a look at it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, yeah. we've had a four-day work week for <laughs> years now. Yeah. Everything is catching up. Increasing minimum wage. Yes, for sure. Two. Starting at $16 an hour and then creating Ontario's first ever regional living wage. Because that's what people need. You yes. work full-time and you should be able to get that. You know, the old saying, an honest day's work deserves an honest and fair day's pay. Yes. And so that's what we're going to build towards. But starting at 16 Okay. Rent control. Yes. Pay transparency? Absolutely, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, we love that vital. one too. Okay, wow, you passed yeah. the pop quiz. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. We have one more question for all our fellow um, female entrepreneurs out there because it's important to us. How are you planning to support small businesses? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I talked a little bit earlier about my wife who runs her own small business from home. Yeah. What does she do? So she runs a, a, a consulting, a consulting okay. business from home, mostly in the renewable energy and, and sort of energy sectors. That's what she deals with for cool. the most part. But like years ago, when my mom was a little bit older and, you know, kind of further along in her career, she opened up her own store at the St. Lawrence Market. And so we got to see again firsthand what the struggle looks like, you know, yeah. entrepreneurs who take that calculated risk, long hours, you know, if an employee isn't able to make it in, you've got to fill in yeah. a lot of paperwork to go through. So that's why we've said uh, for the hardest hit small businesses in Ontario, no corporate income tax for two full years. So for two years, you'll be able to catch your breath. Again, figure it out. Maybe maybe deal with some of the debt that's still there. A lot Does of small businesses. Us? Yeah, that that includes includes us, it's right? a slap. Hi, well, yeah. we, were like, we it's, don't love hi, paying hi, corporate <laughs> it's, a, it's it's possible. All depends on how it was during the pandemic. We're also going to take the provincial HST. This is for prepared foods now. Okay. The provincial HST off all prepared foods that are below twenty dollars, and okay. we think that's good for consumers mm -hmm. yeah. who need affordability help. But it's yeah. also good for small business owners to drive more traffic into their businesses. Lastly. We've watched, all of us, I think it's been heartbreaking, the Ford Conservatives always favoring big box retail, giant corporations. It is our small business entrepreneurs that literally like light the spark that fires oh, Ontario's we economy. Keep them around yeah. So we need them. Yeah. Yeah, we need them and Ontario Liberals yeah. will, will, it'll be a small business led recovery. That's what we're hoping to create. Amazing. And between that and childcare and yep. increased elder care, Absolutely. then people will Health actually care. have the time to it's run the their businesses. That the would be picture. nice. Yeah. 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 Okay. Amazing. Well, we're so appreciative that you were able to take the time and come and talk to us today. Yes. My pleasure. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank yeah. you for this opportunity. It's been really, really terrific. Yeah. And hopefully we see you soon. I, I would love that. That'd be great. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Well, that was fun. It was, and hopefully it inspired everyone listening to learn more about the candidates in this year's provincial election in Ontario and to get out there and vote. Yes, that's right. And remember, when we vote in provincial elections, we vote to elect MPPs, members of provincial parliament. The party with the most elective MPPs wins provincial leadership, so make sure you know your electoral district and who's up for election there. You can find that out at elections.on.ca, which we have linked in the show notes. We also encourage you to familiarize yourself with each party's platform so you can get out there and vote confidently. We'll also link to a resource from the CBC that outlines each party platform in the show notes so you can feel confident and informed as you go to the polls. We wish we could have interviewed all the candidates for this year's election so you could hear them all speak to the issues that affect Ontario parents. But luckily our dear friend Alison Venditti from Moms at Work was able to interview everyone except for incumbent Doug Ford who declined her request. <laughs> and you can watch those interviews on YouTube. Don't worry, we'll link to those in the show notes too. Now remember, advanced polling is open now until May 28th and the official election is held on June 2nd, 2022. So please get out there, make your voice heard in Ontario. And with that, we are out. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you want to watch it with your eyeballs, there's some video footage of it on our Instagram since we're actually together. Oh my God. <laughs> See you next time, guys. Bye. The song you're listening to is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music.